0: Hello and welcome to All Things Urticaria from Medthority. In this series of podcasts, our host, Professor Marcus Maurer, is joined by his friends and colleagues to discuss All Things Urticaria. Over to Professor Maurer. Hello and welcome back to All Things Urticaria, your UCARE podcast. My name is Marcus Maurer and today I have with me Frank, my friend, colleague, and mast cell and mastocytosis expert, beauty fan, of course. Hi, Frank.
1: Hi, Marcus. Very, very it's a big pleasure to be with you here today. It's
0: great to have you, and we have so many things to talk about. I want to jump right in. Um, you have made mastocytosis and lately also MCAS your favorite diseases. Why? What is so um, interesting or what needs your attention so much about these uh, diseases?
1: Yeah, let me start with mastocytosis. So we come here from a prototype mast cell disease. As you said, we are all mast cell fans and mastocytosis is a disease we are not really looking at for a long time. It's a rare disease. Um, it's a um, devastating disease for patients. So people that have mastocytosis actually have more mast cells than normal in their body. The reason for this is an acquired genetical alteration in the system that controls the number of mast cells in the body, Um, and this is out of control in these patients, and they're just having more mast cells in their skin, in their gastrointestinal tracts, in many organs, um, and this is causing symptoms. It could be symptoms Um, like having a bit of a gramping, um, having uh, itch, and I I have heard you talking about itch with Martin Martin in one of the previous um, podcasts, Uh, but it could be go all the way up to really having life-threatening anaphylactic reactions. Um, Most severely affected are patients that have both mastocytosis and, for example, an allergy um, against B or West Venoms, and uh, the underlying mastocytosis makes them become super um, allergic patients. Mm. Um, Let me jump jump in,
0: Frank. So what... Uh, really is the difference between mastocytosis and urticaria? I understand, you know, some of the symptoms are similar. Mm. You have increased numbers of mast cells, more so in mastocytosis than in urticaria. But how are they different? Are they? Is it, is it difficult to distinguish the two clinically?
1: Well, it's not really, because uh, mastocytosis patients, many of them have a specific um, involvement of their skin, for example. So there's also skin lesions, but they look different. They're like reddish, brownish, small spots um, mm. that never go away once they have developed. We don't have in UT carrier. Yeah. Yeah. And from from, um, let's say the underlying course of the disease it's also different so in in uticaria I agree with you there's also some more mast cells in the skin but it's never visible only when the wheels uh, are coming which are fluctuating Um, um, and like the underlying course is that there's something that activates mast cells in uticaria patients that not necessarily is the case in
0: mastocytosis so we can let's go a little bit deeper what do we know about how must cells get activated in these two diseases? Or what do we not know?
1: well, in in uh, in carrier, we have learned a lot over the last, let's say five to ten years, um in which we now know that many patients um, uh, share a mechanism in which they are more or less allergic to themselves. So mm. urticaria was believed to be not an allergic disease for a long time. Now it is an allergic disease again, um, in which we fa- found specific antibodies in the immune system of chronic uticaria patients or chronic spontaneous uticaria patients um, that are directed to self proteins. Mm. Um, this is not the case in mastocytosis, and there is even mastocytosis patients despite they having a high number of mast cells not having any symptoms at all. So there must not be an activating signal uh, in mastocytosis, but if there's one, um, you're more prone to have very severe symptoms because you have a much higher number of mast cells. But in mastocytosis, we actually have no clue about the activating signals.
0: Yeah. But but what makes the muscle cells more twitchy, as you say, is it this mutation or is it the presence of signals? Um, how how far along are we in understanding this hyper releasability of mast cells in mastocytosis?
1: Yeah, we we are getting closer to it. So you know, uh, for a long time, the only un, only underlying cause of mastocytosis was this specific mutation. Uh, which uh, patients or people can acquire over their life? So usually you're not born with this. It's a genetic alteration, a mutation you acquire over your life, and uh, this squeezes in in the control um, of uh, the mast cell numbers. It's called a kit mutation, and kit is a receptor uh, like uh, uh, on the surface of mast cells. And usually there's a natural ligand which is called stem cell factor and by working the two together, um, it controls the number of mast cells. By gaining this mutation, um, it's out of control. You don't need a natural ligand, your mast cells keep growing and growing um, and uh, you come up to a higher level but Mm. this itself may not explain why the mast cells become more teachy because to say there's there's patients having no symptoms and there's other patients having very high symptoms there's something which coming into place uh, which we just learned um uh, over the last recent years um, which is called actually an hereditary so an inherited uh uh, hyper-alpha-tryptezemia, so it means what, there's... What,
0: what's that? What's that? That's <laughs> what's a that? Yeah, it's a
1: very complicated term. You see, I even have trouble to, to pronounce that correctly. So alpha hyper tryptasemia means tryptase is um, a product from mast cells. It's almost exclusively produced by mast cells in our body, and we can measure this in the blood. Um, it's also a marker for diagnosing mastocytosis because if you have a higher number of mast cells, um, your mast cells also, or you have higher levels of this tryptase protein in your blood because mm. there's more mast cells producing this. So people having high levels of this um, product in the blood um, are most likely have mastocytosis. Mm. Um, there's other people having high levels of this protease uh, in their blood without having mastocytosis because there's another genetic alteration which just makes your mast cells. Uh, produce more um, of this protein. It's actually half of it only because it's alpha-tryptizemia. There's also better, but it's probably too complicated. Okay. But having both together, um, this higher productivity of tryptase of your mast cells and the kit mutation, meaning also mastocytosis, this seems to be make you uh, or become a, a most severely affected patients in terms of the symptoms. Very so you see, I have to be complicated here and even explaining <laughs> this. And if you explain something complicated, it means mostly you don't know really a lot about it. And this is exactly the case. So we mm. have to really learn much more about the triggers um, and what makes a mastocytosis patient a, a most su- su- affected one um, or a not so affected one in terms yeah. of symptoms.
0: Well, thank you, Frank. Um, for trying to uh, better understand and, and um, for your efforts in explaining. We're looking forward to the day when you can say that in one sentence and it will be clear yes. in uh, every aspect. Let's come to Believe more, me too. <laughs> let's come to more clinical aspects of these two prototype mast cell-driven diseases: um, mastocytosis on the one hand and urticaria on the other hand. Because mast cells are involved and because much of the same mediators come in play, the treatment is actually quite similar, at least in some aspects.
1: Yeah, it's correct. Because, you know, in the end, whatever causes the activation of mast cells is not so much important when it comes to um, the elicitation of symptoms, because whenever a mast cell is activated, and both happens, in uticaria and in mastocytosis, um, there's mast cell mediators released. And one of the most important mediators that comes from mast cells is histamine. And uh, this is released in both diseases causing the symptoms. In uticaria, we believe, Uh, it's more prone to the skin, so this is why uh, uticaria patients develop wheels and itch or angioedema, which you can see in mastocytosis, also mast cells in other organs are more affected so you release mast uh, histamine in your gastrointestinal tract which gives you abdominal cramping which gives you diarrhea um, it can cause brain fog headaches joint pains because you have histamine all over the body yeah. and a principle of treating these diseases in both uh, in, in uh, sorry treating these symptoms in both diseases is using Um, drugs that block uh, the uh, effects of histamine which is antihistamines which most of us know it's used for the treatment of hay fever uh, and it's used for treating wheels and is also used for treating uh, most of the
0: symptoms in mastocytosis. So you use in mastocytosis and urticaria the modern non-sedating antihistamines. And in urticaria, we know that up to, up to 50% of patients can have some benefit from this treatment, especially when higher than standard doses are used. What about mastocytosis? How do mastocytosis patients respond to antihistamines? Do we updose in patients who do not respond to standard doses, just like we do in urticaria?
1: Yes, we do. Um, even so, we don't have the clinical trials available in mastocytosis. As I said, it's a rare disease, but we just copy from what, what we have learned from uticaria. And we also do up dosing up to four fold of modern non sedating antihistamines in mastocytosis. Okay. Let's say the picture is very similar. Um, we also see some patients responding very well. I must say it's maybe less than 50% in mastocytosis. Mm. So we still have a lot of patients um, um, suffering from from symptoms in mastocytosis that respond to some extent, but the antihistamine, even in high dose, are not enough uh, to control their symptoms completely.
0: Understand now, in a urticaria patient with limited benefit of higher than standard dose antihistamines, we would move to omalizumab. Um, yes, is that an option for patients with mastocytosis? What do we well, do? To... Mm-hmm. resistant patients.
1: Yeah. So um, this is the difficult part now. So omalizumab has been tried in mastocytosis. um, But now we come back to the to the um, factors that activate the mast cells, you know, from from using this drug in carrier, we have learned that IGE, which is targeted by omalizumab or uh, anti-IGE drugs uh, is one of the major drivers of why mast cells get activated in carrier. This may not be the case in mastocytosis. We don't mm-hmm. have any evidence that IGE is involved here. It, it it can uh, but probably is not as important as it is in uticaria because there is some case series out there and even a a small controlled clinical trial in which mastocytosis patients have been treated with omalizumab and you see some response but it's not as striking um, as we see um, uh, this in, in uticaria. So one of the modern treatment strategies in mastocytosis is actually also go to the course of the disease, which is the acquired kit mutation. And there's no modern drugs out there which exactly target these mutations, blocking uh, this uh, auto reactivity, um, auto activation of this receptor and make your mast cells more quiet and even um, bring the mast cell numbers down to normal. This is very new. It's in clinical clinical trials uh, right now. But it's a very promising therapeutic option for mastocytosis patients. Hopefully,
0: in future, this Frank, I want great. to come to um, a tricky, a tricky disease. Um, but I want to, um, I want to approach this from the angle of verticaria. You have recently started um, in the UK network a project called CSU Plus, and um, the idea is to explore signs and symptoms of patients with chronic urticaria beyond the wheels, beyond the angioedema, beyond the itch, mostly extracutaneous symptoms. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about this project and why you're doing this? And if you want to, what does this have to do with MCAS, mast Cell Activation Syndrome?
1: Yes, it's a long question. Um, I, I try to keep the answer a, a bit short. So why we are interested in looking for other signs and symptoms um, uh, in uh, patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria? So the reason is, you know, urticaria <laughs> ever has been thought to be a cutaneous disease, but we have actually problems to understand. Um, and I have explained how this may work in mastocytosis. What is actually the reason or what may be the reason why mast cells in urticaria? Only get activated in the skin when we have uh, autoreactive IgE around, which is supposed to bind to, to all the masses um, in your body. So, why is it uh, restricted to the skin? And you know, maybe it's just our believing, maybe it's not even true, because we have some uh, evidence from our uh, patients we see uh, from our colleagues within the UCARE networks that in some of our patients there may be even other symptoms Mm. that may even become together with the wheels, together Mm. with the itch. It could be also gastrointestinal ones, it could be uh, muscle or joint pains, whatever, but we're not really asking for this because, Mm. you know, in our heads, uticaria is a disease limited to the skin. Mm. Um, Making the bridge to MCAS, the mast cell activation syndrome, this is something which comes more from the mastocytosis uh, uh, people because. Um, You know, it's from the other way. So by Mm. diagnosing mastocytosis, we have very, let's say, strict rules how to do this. You know, you must have a specific number of mast cells in your body, your bone marrow is affected, in which we can look for mast cells. There are specific markers expressed by mast cells, there's the KIT mutation, um, and there is the high tryptase level in the blood. This is all not true for UT carrier, but there's something in between. We know this having symptoms, even having more symptoms on their other organs um, than they have on their skin, but they are not fulfilled the criteria. um, So you can uh, uh, diagnose mastocytosis in them, but the clinical picture is very similar. So mast cell activation syndrome could be just something which sits in between Chronic spontaneous uticaria and mastocytosis, the both extremes, um, and this is what we look for. From the one hand, we want to identify the number um, and the frequency of extracutaneous additional symptoms that come together with Wilson's in uticaria patients, and on the other end, we try to better identify um, the patients having more extracutaneous symptoms but don't cool. qualify for the diagnosis of as mastocytosis.
0: Very interesting and very much needed because we know so little about uh, this phenomenon. Um, well, actually, both know so little about these extracutaneous signs and symptoms in chronic urticaria as well as muscle activation syndrome. Now, again, a call to action for our listeners, the uh, UCARE centers, and physicians and patients working with these centers. This project is underway, ready for the global rollout. So get involved, be in touch and contribute information to this very important UCARE project. You can reach out to Frank or the UCARE office and find out what needs to be done. Frank, I have one more question for you. Um, And this is, what do you hope will happen in 2021?
1: Well, I hope that we all can meet again in person. That would be one of my biggest wishes. Uh, having these remote uh, meetings, I think it's it's really fascinating how well this works, but I really miss, you know, sit down together, discuss face to face, and even having, having a beer with you, Marcus. Um, we haven't done this for a long time. Um, uh, this is my personal view. Um, let's say in, in, in terms of uticaria and mastocytosis, you know there's so much going on. I hope that we will uh, get uh, some of the clinical trials that are uh, now in preparation and in the planning phases uh, will start. Um, to roll out this, to bring bring the new drugs to our patients. There's a lot going on in carrier. There's uh, something going on in mastocytosis, which is also growing, growing. So, even expect maybe more uh, drugs to come to the table that are discussed as treatments for mastocytosis. And then, you know, we've talked about the CSU Plus project. Um, There's also another initiative I quickly want to want to mention here uh, because there's also more MCAS, Mass Selectivation Syndrome initiatives going on Um, since this is confusing at the moment. You know, patients um, suffering from these kind of symptoms, there's no diagnosis yet. You really can attach to this and diagnosing Mass Selectivation Difficult because we don't have really good diagnostic criteria and uh, patients are confused physicians are confused even the two of us are confused sometimes on what this, this really is um, so um, there is a, a patient organization that has recently been founded in Germany it's called MCAS hope um, and they started an initiative also in a big big online journey. Uh, first in Germany, but also in the German-speaking parts of Switzerland and Austria, and maybe there will be also an international rollout um, within the next year, in which we just ask patients that either got a diagnosis or feel they could have uh, mast cell activation or just having some unexplained symptoms um, and they think it could be related to mast cells to better identify the populations uh, in this disease. The study is called Magellan, um, uh, could be easily find. Uh, in the internet or via the MCOS uh, Hope um, patient organization. And I also hope that this will run well next year and that we learn much more uh, even about uh, these mast cell
0: activation syndromes. Frank, thank you so much for making us aware of this. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Good luck on all your projects and efforts. Folks, this was another episode of All Things Urticaria. If you have a topic that you would like us to discuss in this podcast series, please do reach out to us for now. Be well and don't let urticaria get you down. Medthority would like to thank Marcus Maurer for that fascinating insight into uCare. If you have any other questions regarding urticaria, please feel free to ask us via our website, www.medthority.com Remember to tune in for the next episode of All Things Urticaria. From all of us at All Things Urticaria from Medthority have a lovely week.